This episode of Drive Back the Night is brought to you by Technocore. With over 30 systems under their steel-toed jackboots, they are your premier go-to for armament and defensive systems. Whether you are arming a small mercenary band or fortifying your own private moon, bet on the right horse and look to Technocore for all your warmongering needs. Technocore, building better worlds through innovative destruction. Any fool can be honest, for it is only what he knows. A wise man is aware of when to share the truth. And we welcome you to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. Ethan, uh, real quick, yeah. as you and I'm sure our listeners have noticed, uh, we got a little bit of sponsorship this week. Yeah. So we're kind of moving up in the world. A little, we've got a few culottes. Right. Culottes? Right. Uh, guilders. we got a few guilders out of this one. Oh, Quatloos, you're thinking Quatloos of. Quatloos is what right. I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. And the Star Trek has been broken. So, hey. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, hey, we got to keep on track, Ethan, because listen, uh, because of our corporate spon- sponsorship that we have going on right now, and there's more to come, um, sorry, listeners, but, you know, we got to figure out a way to pay the bills here, so we got to do this. Um, as a result, uh, Ethan and I, we talked about this at length, and we decided that because of the time that it's going to take up to do these reads that we have to do for our corporate sponsors now, there's just not enough time left in the show to allot to doing our opening little comedy bit, you know, like we like to do sometimes. Um, So I just wanted to take this opportunity instead to explain why we're not doing the comedy bit. It is in an effort to save time. Thus saving time. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so anyway, we do apologize. We know this is, this is one of our favorite parts for us. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie about it. Right. But, you know, I like having the Gilders too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a trade off, you know, there's the pros and cons for everything. Yeah. And in this case, well, the pros are, we get to keep the show running Yeah, because we got some really serious money coming in now. And the, and the con being that the corporate suit said, you know, shorten the introduction time. Yeah, exactly. Know, to make more time for their commercials. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Right. C'est la vie. Maybe we can figure out a way, you know, to, to shorten up the, the commercial reads a little bit. I don't know if, if there's some wiggle room there. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that their direction see what they say. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, again, we do apologize for not having an opening bit. Um, so, uh, like I said, as a result of that, we cannot waste any time and we got to just get right into this episode Ab- now. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So Ethan, um, 
You got all your stuff together? I do. Are you ready? I do. All right. So now do, this do, is do the part. Do you have your stuff together? I don't have anything to do. <laughs> this this is your week. You've got all the heavy responsibilities. So um, this is the part where now I say that this is episode 58, The Right Horse. And now is the part where I throw it over to you, Ethan, um, just in case you may have been able to dig up a little bit of trivia for this episode. That's right. I do have trivia. And after seven takes, you finally got it in under three minutes. So Did we? Yeah, good on you. Excellent. <laughs> All right. The Right Horse is our episode this week. It is written by Emily Skopov. Now, her previous work uh, on this show was with Pitiless as the Sun. She was the writer for it. She wrote In Heaven, Now Are Three. And this is her only season three credit. And she'll have one more coming in season four. The episode was directed by Richard Flower. Previously, we saw his work on Delinda Est in this season. And we have one more credit for this season yet to come. Our guest actors this week are Christy Angus. She plays Lieutenant Lyra. She starts her career with an appearance in a two-part episode of one of our favorite shows. Ryan, would you care to guess what it is? Um, the Commish? It is The Commish. Yes. yes. She appeared uh, very early on in her career on the 90s television show The Commish, which is a favorite of ours. Uh, she also appears in Millennium, Earth Final Conflict, and Warehouse 13, just to name a few shows that she has done in genre. We also have Peter Bryant. He plays Marshall Orak. Now, he plays in the commish as well. Just wanted to bring that up there and pause. Let the, let us savor that for a moment. No time. Okay. Uh, he also appears in the X-Files, Millennium, several appearances on The Outer Limits and Stargate SG-1, Smallville, Fringe, Continuum, and The Flash. I haven't even gotten into the movies that are uh, in his credit list. Uh, but honestly, if I kept at it with both film and TV spots that he's done, uh, we'd be here all night. And as you mentioned, we don't have the time. Right. Uh, finally, we have Chris Potter. And this is a very recognizable uh, guest actor. He plays Abel Ladrone in this episode. In the late 80s and the early 90s, he would bounce around making various small appearances in bit roles for television. Then, in 1992, he would play Peter Kane in a made-for-TV movie called Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, alongside actor David Carradine. The movie was picked up as a television series, and Carradine would take Chris under his wing, even making him a surrogate son. He would go on to be a fixture in many television series in the decades to come, and currently he can be seen in the role of Tim Fleming in the Heartland television series. And Ryan, that is what I have for trivia this week. All right, let's keep it moving. How about a summary? You got that? Uh, let me catch my breath, and I will do the summary for The Right Horse. All right, so while you're doing that, I'm just going to kind of ad-lib for just a minute. Um, no real clear direction where I'm going with this. I'm just kind of saying words and putting them together in random sentences with nothing until you get your <sighs> okay, breath. Okay, I'm ready. <sighs> Thank God. Andromeda is parked in orbit of Varus, a beautiful world when seen from above but also an oddity of a society, as their culture invented the most stringent and sought-after truth detection systems known to the universe. Now everyone living on the planet tells only the truth, no little white lies, not even beige ones. Instead, it's brutal honesty all the time. Becca has headed down to the surface to serve as a character witness for an old friend that has been incarcerated, named Abel Ladrone. 
Becca can't lie her way out of this scenario, so she fights her way out of it instead, breaking Ladrone out of prison and escaping to Andromeda with Tyr's help. Once aboard, it quickly becomes apparent to Becca that she's put the rest of the Andromeda crew in danger, and making good on her promise of keeping Ladrone safe is all but impossible. So she flees with Ladrone in the Maru to wait for the storm to blow over. The Verisites are adamant about getting their fugitive back and send Marshal Orak and Lieutenant Lyra to Andromeda to facilitate his capture. But the crew realizes quickly that Becca is in real danger, not because of the Verisites' police force, but from the real power behind Verus, Technocorp, a faceless corporate conglomerate of systems that will stop at nothing to protect the secrets that Ladrone has stolen from them, those secrets being information on a DNA experiment that has great healing potential, but could also be made into a fearsome genetic weapon. While Andromeda figures out how to keep Becca safe, Harper predictably falls hard for the stunning Lieutenant Lyra. Aboard the Eureka Maru, Becca and Ladrone catch up after many years apart, and soon their game of tonsil hockey becomes a spirited wrestling match on the bunks of the Maru. Just when things hit peak uncomfortable, a Technocore death squad busts onto the Maru to break up the couple's tender moment. Ladrone and Becca, along with the help of the cavalry in the form of Tyr and Rami, dispatch the death squad goons and return to Andromeda. Andromeda and the Maru engage in a standoff with overwhelming Technocore forces, but some genius bluffing from Harper buys them the time that they need for Dylan to return from his Zinti strategic conference and start clearing up the situation. He arranges for Ladrone to be handed over, but before the exchange can take place, Ladrone refuses to play along and fires on Dylan. Dylan is forced to fire back in self-defense, killing the love of Becca's season three. Once the Marshal, Lieutenant Lyra, and the Technocore inspectors are satisfied that the knowledge Ladrone has stolen has died with him, they leave Andromeda to return home to Varus. Heartbroken, Becca isolates herself on the Maru, until Dylan and Harper come strolling in with a perfectly healthy Abel Ladrone in tow. Harper explains that he was able to make a golem of Ladrone, a genetic copy that Dylan was able to kill, tricking the Verisites and Technocore into thinking that Ladrone was truly dead. After a tense moment, Dylan and Harper make their excuses and leave Becca and Ladrone to pursue what will no doubt be a long and meaningful relationship. The End The Love of Becca's Season 3 Well, yeah. Was I like that. I, was I lying? No, you're not wrong. I liked that. That was good. Uh, so I guess I'll just lead things off here real quick. I, I want to say that I learned something, because uh, we have the introduction here of Technocore, which... Strangely enough, I thought that Technocore was actually a dance club on El Dorado Drift. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Wasn't that Sprinkles or Sparkles Drift? Glitter Dust. That's the one I'm thinking of. It could have been that. Could have been a glitter dust. More likely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What a one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned something. Okay. And so remind me if if that's necessary to not go on a vacation with my wife to Veras. Ooh, yeah. Because when it comes to cocktail dress night, mm -hmm. and she asks, does this make me look big or fat? Does this make my butt look big or whatever the question is? Mm -hmm. I, What do I do? I can't go to the old standbys. Right. I mean. Just saying. Um, I'm just going to say, I doubt that Veras has a really high tourist um, draw. Yeah. 
judging by the one, the fashion sense and the uh, copious close up cameras everywhere. Yeah. I, I think it would be a little bit uncomfortable for most off worlders to. They would not be able to relax there. Right. And I think they like it that way. <laughs> Probably so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Becca went there. Of yes, course, she, she went there for a very special purpose to testify. Um, I, I wonder, based on what she was wearing, did she know she was going to court that day? You know, Ethan, usually you're the one picking up Can, on... Yeah, I, I just want to say this. Uh-huh. I'm so glad... You're doing this show with me to pick up on the stuff that I don't that I don't even think of. Well, see, that's where I was. That's what I was going to say. Normally, you're the one that that picks up on all of the wardrobe stuff, and I'm totally oblivious to it. Um, I missed it this week. I just couldn't help but notice that she was practically wearing a sheer a black sheer nighty with a bra underneath. Yeah. Um. To to court. Yes, to court. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, that's spot on observation right there. Yeah. Thank you. And you know what? While we're there in that courtroom scene, okay. I just want to say um, it was nice that we had a cameo of two of Snow White's seven dwarves. Did you happen to notice Sleepy and Dopey? <laughs> no. Guarding her on either side? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the two guys just standing. There yeah. Behind. All right. So is that the thing on this planet? You just do a lot of standing around? Well, yeah. Because there were the two women, right, in the mm-hmm. black dress and the white dress. Yeah. What was their purpose? Um, They were there to intimidate. Okay. I so, thought that's what the cameras were for, the incredibly tight close-up cameras on the character witness yeah. and the uh, the other people in the jury. Sure. No, you're <laughs> right. Um, It's all there to intimidate. I guess so. Including the two, I guess, judges standing at the front with their hand on the pedestal is that how you read that room they were the judges yeah that's that's what i was picking that's what i was getting okay yeah black white both sides of okay well i mean you know they they just they didn't really have to to judge like overruled or that's a lie because they had the machine that was doing it just had to wait right but i mean if you don't have anyone there it's just an empty room and you have a buzzer going off. It's like, this is just the worst game of Taboo I've ever played. But yeah. to actually have people there and cameras, yeah, the whole thing. I mean, or I was intimidated. I don't know about you. I Well, now that you've brought it up, uh-huh. now that I think back on it, I think I was embarrassed the whole time for Becca. Yeah. Right. One, because she was underdressed. Yeah. yeah. Two, she's an awful character witness. Mm-hmm. That defense attorney did not think that one through. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a couple of Harper things um, I want to bring up here. So, um, first of all, uh, in no particular order. So, does Harper test everyone's DNA when they come on the ship? <laughs> I wondered about that myself. Seems a bit random, right? Yeah. I mean, it paid yeah. off, but what was the reason for it? It was just because... Well, well it just seems so totally unplanned yeah until you see that wry grin on his face at the very close of that scene and it's like he got exactly what he wanted yeah he did you know what he did it was the magician's trick you know where they hold out the pick a card any card Mm -hmm. but actually they're showing you exactly what card they want you to pick (laughs) that's what he did to this guy like oh this stupid thing yeah it's not it it, it's pretty cool actually let me show you You hey touch it right there touch Mm -hmm. it right there yeah yep of course harper gets fake numbered 
Uh, yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about there other than just to laugh at him. Yeah. Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. We're supposed to laugh at poor Harper. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And of course, Harper, he's a genius. He comes up with this great invention. Um, again, the last minute, well, <laughs> to be more specific, he comes with this great, uh, he comes up with this great invention and puts it together at the last minute to show on all of, on all of Technocore's sensors, this vast army of cloaked ships, right? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah. Showing on their sensors is a vast army of cloaked, cloaked ships that cloaked should not be detectable. Ships cloaked. They're, being. they're seeing all of the. Well, you okay? I took that as they're not seeing actual the actual cloaked ships. It's like the signatures that indicate that there's a cloaked something out there. So he 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 put those false echoes out there. So is this how cloaks work in this universe? Apparently. So they're then, not really they're that useless. good. They're, they're really not that good. They show up as green instead of red. <laughs> is that, is yeah. that the difference? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it works insofar as you don't know exactly what you're targeting. Okay. But you can still target it. Okay. Can you target it? You, or what if you can't target it, but you know it's there? That's intimidating. It could be. Yeah. It very well could be. Uh, the last thing I had was the uh, the Technicore inspectors. Kind of reminded me of something from another sci-fi series that I know and enjoy. Can you think of the think of what I'm thinking? Um, the Commish? No, no, oh. not the Commish. Oh, and it's not Star Trek. Oh, okay. Or Star Wars. All right. No, I was actually thinking of Firefly. Okay. You know, because th- we have these Technicore inspectors. They don't say anything. They're in pairs. It reminds me of two by two. Right. Hands of blue, mm-hmm. you know the yeah. uh, the the operatives, you know the the alliance operatives. Uh huh. So I came up with a little saying for these guys. Oh, okay. Sunglasses and scowls never utter vowels. <laughs> I like it. I think it's going to catch on. But until that happens, why don't we go ahead and move on our discussion? <laughs> Let's do that. All right. Uh, but before we do that, you know what? Let's take a pause. And let's hear another word from our sponsors. Space can be dangerous. That's why Sirius Spaceworks designs and builds escape pods to keep you alive, entertained, and nearly safe whenever disaster strikes in the void. With contracts to supply escape pods to multiple passenger and commercial fleets and even the new System Commonwealth's High Guard battleships, our escape pods are made with the best materials government contracts can buy. Each of our pods are meticulously built and inspected by a team of blind nightsiders desperate to crank out product in order to keep their burgeoning families fed. Our multi-channel onboard entertainment system consoles ensures that our pod's occupants will be entertained for hours until rescued or whenever their air runs out. Rest assured that whenever you have to abandon ship, Sirius Spaceworks Escape Pod will be there to keep you entertained and breathing for just a bit longer. Sirius Spaceworks Escape Pods. Comfort first, safety third. And we're back. We are. Yep. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get serious now. Um, Ethan, 
So what are some things that you picked up on in this episode that you'd like to, to dig into just a little bit deeper? Well, I, I think I'll take the low-hanging fruit. Okay. And let's just talk about Varus just a little bit. I mean, right. we've already kind of joked about it. But, I mean, no deception. Mm-hmm. No white lies. No beige ones, as Trance alluded to. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Why do you say ugh? I just thought it was a dumb line. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. A passionless and ordered society. I put the question to you. Is it a police state? (laughs) You know, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah. I mean, how much more controlled can you be? You're basically... This is is thought control. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of brings me to my next question. Okay. Is... It doesn't really explicitly describe how this society got to this point... And what it what it is exactly that they developed that detects whether or not you're telling the truth or a lie. So, just inferring what we see on the episode is this truth is this truth telling ability or truth detection ability? Is it a biological component that's within that's engineered within the individuals, the the verisites themselves, or is it some sort of technological device mm-hmm. that senses? whatever it senses in order to detect if a person is lying or not. Did did you come down on one or the other, or, or did you think about that? Um, no, I think they pretty much answered that question in the episode. Uh, Lyra did. When she said she presented the two options, is it a biological thing? Is it a technological thing? I'm not going to tell you. Uh, and that's where we're left. Yeah. So, so they totally I, wrote themselves yeah. out of the, out of having to explain that. Right. They're in that scene where with Harper and Lyra when they were talking about um, being able to detect deception. Yeah. And you know, I thought they were going to test that, and I was kind of expecting for her to like you know put her hands on his wrists or something, you know, <laughs> like very low tech. Or put her fingers on his temples or something. (laughs) Could have been. Could have been something like that. Right, right. Um, But I don't really know that even in that scene, she wasn't really practicing any deception detection. Only what she was trying to keep from him. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, And we, I don't know. I I think that if it were more, if, if it were a biological thing, something that was in them, I think we would have seen more of it on on the Andromeda. Right. With the Marshal and, and the Lieutenant both. Right. I just think something okay. would have happened. But they're on this other ship, kind of out of their element. Yeah, and they do explain that to, with Harper and Dylan and Trance there at the end. You know, he they do allude to the fact that, obviously, she lied to him. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of a vacation for her. Yeah. <laughs> You know, being off planet and away from whatever that influence is. Right. So how does that go over with the lieutenant? I mean, because he was very unpleased with the deception of the cloaked ships on the sensors. Oh, the marshal. Yes. Okay. You said lieutenant. I thought I thought that was the lieutenant. Who's the lieutenant? Lieutenant Lyra is the woman. Oh, she is the woman. Yeah. I mean, she, I know she's the woman, but she's the lieutenant. 
You're, yes. Okay. Lieutenant Lyra, <clears throat> Marshal Orak is okay. the, the gentleman. Okay. See, I had that. I was I was thinking the lieutenant okay. and Lyra. Now that we've got that straightened out, yeah. now I know which scene you're talking about. Okay. You're speaking of. Right. Uh, anyway, he was not impressed. No. Or pleased. No. Um, by any of this. So... He seemed he he was he was stuffy. Oh yeah. All right. Lyra was not. Mm, she was a little wooden. But yeah. Okay. But she seemed like she was a little more willing to let her hair down, or her shoulder right. thing. Whatever off. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say her top, but it's not really. <laughs> not, not the, no, not the no, top, no, not no, the no, top. no, no, no. Back, back. Uh, okay, so, so I just kind of wonder: is this an accepted thing among the Verisites? Or is this just Lyra being sneaky? I think this is Lyra just being sneaky because she can. Mm-hmm. Because she is freed from whatever that is, that that influence. Okay. That forces her to be what she is on the planet, Varus. Okay. So how did, how remind me again, how, how are they described? Passionless? Um, uh, passionless ordered society. Right. Okay. So they're Vulcans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All Except right. they have feelings and they can express them. At least, but how do you? Yeah, yeah at least Lyra does. Right, right. The the marshal doesn't really seem to. Except that they say in the opening sequence, trance does indicate that for five hundred years now they've, well, like you said, they become passionless. Yeah. So is that is that what we're to take from this? Is if you live in a society where you only tell the truth all the time, you're going to become Vulcan? Well, how could you not? It's it's the only you can way be you can be happy and truthful. <laughs> yeah, but can you be happy and hear the truth? Ooh, that okay. Okay, let's that, go back to let's go back to vacation with your wife, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a conversation that you could that a man could have with his wife or significant other? And still be happy after having that conversation. At the conclusion of that conversation. Knowing that you have to tell the truth no matter what. Well, I know what my experience is. And no, it is not humanly possible. Okay. All right. So, these this half a millennium and, and, that they... And I would just like to state for the record that yeah. my wife is not fat. No. And, and so, when I tell her the truth, I'm telling her the truth. No, it does not make your butt look big. No, it does not make you look fat. And yet, I am accused of lying. <laughs> and yet, you're you're still digging yourself deeper. I, I know, I know. <laughs> there there is no escape from that particular singularity. Yeah. So, um, so they've had this whole half a millennium now to try to deal with this. And I got to imagine when this first started up, this was not a fun society. To, <laughs> if you think if you think they're not fun now, right? I mean. It just, just all of the raw emotion pouring out just had to have been just unbearable. <laughs> the only way to cope with that is just to purge yourself of all passion. <laughs> and, and I don't want to say emotion because clearly it seemed like Lyra had emotion. Oric had emotion. He, he got flustered. He got irritated, frustrated. That's not passionless. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think the point I was trying to make is that being that way has got to be the only way that you can cope in living in this kind of a society. Don't you think? For the purpose of this show, yes. 
take ourselves out of it for a moment. If we only told, tell the truth. No, I don't want to have that conversation. Never mind. <laughs> well, You're right. Well, now I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we live in a world where people only tell the truth, is that somehow going to become a police state? You know, I think maybe we overreacted a little bit there, especially when I said, as soon as I said thought control, I immediately regretted that. Because that's really not what's going they're not, on. Yeah, they're not reading they're not, your thoughts. Right. They're not controlling your thoughts. Right. They're only detecting whatever, your reaction whenever you tell a lie. Right. And, I mean, really what they're getting at here is they're getting to the root of, of motive, right? I mean, what is yeah. it? I mean, you can say something, in a way, this kind of gives you, I would say, more freedom. Uh, honestly, Yes. Because think of it, if you lived in a society where there was no deceit, mm-hmm. it was not possible to deceive another person, how much better <laughs> would things be when you went to the store right. and tried to get the best deal possible or the car lot or right. whatever the case was? Shopping itself would become, maybe that's why there are people going to Veros. Right. Shopping's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. What's what's the dealer price on this? Um Thirty-seven. Eh, okay. <laughs> Twenty-five. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes, there you go, and uh-huh. you have yourself a deal, right? Um, I think this is one of those things that, if, if, but I don't want to give you that deal <laughs> because you're ugly and I don't like you very much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, you just encapsulated my whole next point. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. I so no, that's great okay. because you gave you gave examples of of the issues that i'm how, thinking how here. It would play. all right so with big things no deception is fantastic with some of the smaller things it's going to make life miserable <laughs> right? I, see, I see your point okay yeah i do see um it. you're not going to have there's no way I, I, I don't know maybe they'll figure out a way but i would think there's no way that governments can be corrupt there's no way that local police can be corrupt there's no way that you can really have how can you even really have any kind of crime well now you've taken it completely off into science fiction yeah that's (laughs) i know this is andromeda yeah they're in space three thousand years from now right so i mean can you have any crime in a society like this i don't see how you can I mean, if you do, it's going to be very, very low crime, and most of the crimes are going to be deception. Well, we did have a crime. Yeah. Abel Ladrone took something. Right. And was immediately caught. Right. So, why do they need to have... What is the legal process here on this planet? Because if they're able to detect any kind of deception, right, can't they just say, Ladrone, did you take the DNA? No. Eh, you're guilty. Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess he perjured himself. There's, yeah, there's some <laughs> sort of of due process apparently yeah. if they're calling in character witnesses. Um, so, so, so essentially, what we've done is we have now taken this tissue paper thin plot and we've completely ripped a hole in it. Because why is Becca there to begin with? Well, eh, not necessarily. Okay, because I'm just yourself. saying, even though they have this technology, um, I mean, think about it. In in our here in the United States, most I guess I shouldn't say I said I guess most states right um, polygraph results are not admissible in court. Right, they're helpful in an investigation. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know there's a lot of controversy as to how how effective they really are so it's not admissible yeah so even though they do feel with 100% certainty that they are able to detect any deception maybe they're still not willing to take it that next step and use it to determine someone's fate okay that's a good point so you rely on someone else to speak for their character and it helps to calibrate whether or not they're what they it detected was true or not mm-hmm. I, see, I, I, I think I see where you're going with that yeah that makes sense then I mean it's gotta be otherwise then we just ripped a hole in the plot <laughs> yeah okay yeah. and why weren't the Verisites able to detect Dylan's deception crap <laughs> well, no, he, they weren't able to detect it because he was not on the planet. So neither was Becca, and that was the whole selling point. Yeah, we can't, yeah, yeah. Becca was on the planet, not during this whole thing with um with the with the with the Ladrone clone. Okay, she asked the question, "Why didn't you tell me that it wasn't the real Ladrone?" And they said, "Well, because you had to believe it." Because they would have been able to detect your deception. We had to sell it. And the only way yeah. to do that is if you actually believed that he was dead. Oh, I see what you're saying. Why Why, why did they have they to t- sell it with Becca, but Dylan is able to get it over on him somehow? Int- and Harper, well, apparently. Interestingly enough, uh, Dylan is not in the room. He's watching on the monitor. However, Harper is standing right there. And if anybody can't keep a secret... <laughs> It's Seamus Harper. Uh-huh. Right? Right. So, yeah, there's another plot hole that uh, I, I I don't know. Okay. I, I got nothing. All right. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's a little bit of Varus. Uh, interesting planet. And I think we had a decent conversation about it. Yeah. Let's move on. I mean, nice place to live. I wouldn't want to visit there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isn't that how that goes? Something like that. Yeah. Let's uh, the next big new thing that okay. we learned about in the universe. Um, let's talk about Technocore a little bit. Let's talk about Technocore. What a great company. <laughs> uh, you come here often? <laughs> I should have said that while you were still doing that. Um, so, wow. I mean, what is this? Is this like, this is like the mob meets... Tony Stark meets what? I, I tell you how I wrote this down. Okay. It's Sid Prophet's biggest competition. Yeah, you're you're right. <laughs> I was also thinking, um, I don't remember his name, the guy that was in the little hover chair. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that, From, uh, that hired Tyr to kill his wife. Yes. Right? He's a big weapons developer and you're dealer. You're right, you're right. So, so now I'm wondering is... Because Technocore seems to be, they've got their hands on everything. Well, as they presented it, they're they're selling all of the armament and defensive systems to the Commonwealth and everyone else that needs it, Mm -hmm. and holding the even bigger weapons in order to to defeat those things, holding that for themselves. Right. Yeah, I don't see how this can be uh, good for the galaxies. Right. So what I'm wondering then is, are people like Sid and the other arms dealer that hired Tyr to kill his wife? I can't remember his name right now, but anyway. I can't either. 
are they also under the control of Technocore? Are they part of Technocore? Being that this is the first time we're hearing about Technocore, I'm thinking no. Harper, in his exposition, explains that it's like 30 or 40 worlds that are held under uh, Technocore's sway. Okay. And I'm just projecting here, so 30 or 40 worlds under a metanational, basically, control of a, of a corporation with R&D facilities and whatnot, 30 to 40 worlds or systems isn't all of all three of the known galaxies. Yeah. So I, I, I can't, I hesitate to say that they're quote air quotes everywhere, but, um, it certainly, it certainly helps them that they're on a, a planet where you tell the truth on, only all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that probably comes in handy in okay. negotiations and things like that. So the, I, I have no doubt that they are extremely powerful. They, uh, they flex their muscles a little bit in this episode with their death squad of stormtrooper washouts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. With with uh, bumper sticker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bumper stickers across their uh, their helmets. Yeah. So How'd you was, like those helmets? By the those way, those were fantastically yeah. bad. Yeah, <laughs> but but they're made up of worlds that are part of the Commonwealth, right? Apparently, okay. Yes. So they are technically under Commonwealth control. Yet, when a high guard vessel does something that they don't agree with. They just all go after it. They get to attack. Okay. So I'm not going to agree with what Becca did, and we'll discuss that later. But is there no Commonwealth protection in these in these sort of situations? Is there no mediation? Yeah. You know, they just come after this high guard vessel full of a... Well, I mean, there's thousands of people on this on the Andromeda that we don't see, but they're there, right? I think even Technocore would admit that they were probably overreaching in this attack on Andromeda because this was a secret that absolutely could not be let loose and and become known throughout the universe, right? So, yeah, even I think they would admit at the upper levels that they were they were acting outside of their jurisdiction. Okay. By attacking a Commonwealth vessel. So then why were they so forthcoming with that information when they asked them to bring Ladrone back? Hey, we need him back. Why? Well, he's got this super sensitive top secret information that he stole from us. I mean, right? Yeah. Uh, Was that just so that we would know? Or I I will put it this way. It did not seem as if the the legal points of how this corporation works within the Commonwealth, it did not seem like the points of the way it operates were laid out all that clearly. Okay. So we're just left to infer how things function between the government and this corporation. You know, it leaves to uh, more questions than answers. Yeah, I don't understand any of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, can we move on to something else then? Yeah. Can we talk about golems for a second? Yeah. I mean, why haven't we been doing this all along? Um, apparently, it's really easy. Do you need to be in like five places at once? Who doesn't? Right. So, have Seamus 
whip up four other duplicates of yourself. Exactly. Apparently, they can function pretty well and have emotion and fire sure. a weapon. Sure. See, this is a great why, idea. Why, why did we go so long without a crew? I don't know. You could have just golemed them all. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That way, you can have one to go to work for you. You can have one to stay home and take care of the kids and clean the house. And you can have one that, well, he's a golem of a golem, so, you know, he forgets your name. Yeah. And, puts pizza in his wallet <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I, I see where you're going with okay. that yeah all right yeah. i follow you okay. I, i'm tracking all right um and so really why can't harper just make a golem of rami i mean obviously he has a goal with her so why hasn't he built a golem of rami um i mean if he builds a golem it's basically exactly the same, right? So supposedly, that's two android women to reject him. <laughs> um, yeah, I realize now I don't want to go down that rabbit hole yeah. of where that could take you. Uh, but really, this just feels like a plot point just brought up here. Yeah. Um, where do we go with this? This genie is now out of the bottle. Yeah. Now, going forward, anytime we see a situation where, you know, we need somebody to take the fall, mm-hmm. why not just make a golem of them and have them take the fall? Sure. <laughs> well, you know what? I think there's a conversation that we need to have about this particular golem. Okay. Um, Abel Ladrone makes this golem or clone of himself. With the same memory engrams and genetic memory, which I thought was interesting. We we now have had genetic genetic memory brought up twice now. Yeah. Do you remember the first time we heard it? Yeah. With the uh Magog kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well what ended up being the Magog kids. Right, right. Yeah. They they weren't Magog, but the kids were. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. I wonder how yeah. those kids are doing. I wonder they, if those kids are all right. Yeah. They ate their parents and Yeah. Know, Magog. <laughs> and apparently have genetic memory of doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Abel. Abel's Gollum. Wow. That would mean that they would have the mem or their kids would have the memory of their parents eating their grandparents. Yes. Wow. That's a messed up family. <laughs> There's, not <laughs> There's not enough therapy. There's not enough therapy. You're absolutely right. Huh. Back to Abel's Gollum. Right. Um, so was Abel's Gollum... Was he on board By with this? By the way, this? great band name. Abel's Gollum. Okay. Uh, was he on board with this? Apparently, because he followed the plan. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So... He seemed all right when they brought him in the room at, at the end of the show. So do we value Gollums as life? Oh, no. They are they are tools to be used and then cast aside. Apparently. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is exactly what we saw happen in uh-huh. this episode. No remorse. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was none of that at the end of this episode. Right. Which, I mean, you know, for criminals and for people like Technocore, you know, I can understand how they could just throw this kind of stuff around. Even even Abel. I don't really know him. I don't know what kind of guy he is. I got to say, I'm disappointed in Dylan. Exactly. Exactly. Is how is Dylan Hunt okay with creating another life? Because uh-huh. that's what it is. Yeah, it is a it is a an exact genetic duplicate, and we're just gonna 
throw them on the altar of sacrifice uh, for uh, Technicore. Mm-hmm. And and we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to shed a tear. We're not going to have regret over it. Yeah. We're just going to leave Becca and the real Ladrone, if that's really the real Ladrone. We're just going to leave them to uh, ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. You know what the really heroic thing would have been to do? What's that? It would be for Abel to make the new Abel and let that one live on, and he sacrifices himself. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think Dylan probably could have handled that a little better because you have someone willingly say, hey, look, this is the only way out. We're all going to die if I don't do this. So here's this, here's this, you know, this other girl. But I mean, in that case, if he's going to die, then why create another? Yeah, exactly. And, and also the nanites die with the real able. Oh, okay. The nanobots (laughs) that are mimicking his organs. Uh huh. So, you know, the secret dies with him. Yeah. Okay. It's convoluted. All right. But if he, if it's an exact replica of him, do those things not also live on? I don't the... think the techno, the technical component can be recreated. Certainly not with the same information already loaded in it. Hmm. See, that just seems lazy on Harper's part. I think he <laughs> could have done it. <laughs> if he can put information in a star, yeah. surely he can create recreate a few nanobots sure. with some information. Sure. Ones and zeros, that's all He's it is. He's got like, what does he have like? eight nanobots in that little gadget that he shocked him with oh yeah 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 and he just said that multi-tool mm-hmm. can meld organic material yeah and whatnot so yeah yeah he should have the capability of recreating it down to the minute detail sure or if not then just before you kill the real able just download it all into a thumb drive right and, and then I don't know. How what, much what? How much carrying capacity does that multi-tool have? You gotta just plug that straight into him. It had a little stick thing on the end. You just jab it in him and... Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, he probably could have put it into his data port. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Now we're just poking holes. Let's Are move we? on. All right, Ethan, let's move on to character stuff. Um, I got a couple real quick here I just want to kind of bring up um, for tier. You know, we've... In the past few episodes, we've kind of been having this discussion about Tyr. He keeps flip-flopping back and forth. You know, who is this guy? It seems like every new writer, or every episode, the writers, they want to treat Tyr a little bit differently. Yeah. And and maybe we think about it too much. We overthink this a little bit. I know we do, because that's our job here, right? <laughs> so, we overthink this stuff sometimes. Um analyzing his every move and saying is that tear because tear is changing or is because tear is is feeling a certain way or is it somehow better for for tear in the long run yeah i don't know he just he does a couple things that just seem kind of untier on the surface so from the very beginning when becca comes running out of that courtroom he doesn't even see her yet he just hears it over the intercom Becca Valentine is on the loose, right? Right. His immediate reaction is he just, for one thing, it's kind of funny the way he does it. He is very casually. So he just, he gets up and just starts busting skulls, right? Um, And it was cool and it was kind of funny the way that he did it. But also I was thinking, why did he do that? Couldn't he have just, if he's looking out for, as a Nietzschean does, if he's looking out for his own interests first, could he have just casually walked away 
and let whatever happens to Becca happen. Yeah, except that we've already established that he has a particular interest in Becca. And we get a, we we kind of get a little bit more of that uh, in this episode as well. Right. All Was right. that something you were going to bring up also? Their little interaction in the hallway? Uh, no, I didn't have it written down, but... But yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I had made I had made a yeah. made a note of it, and the fact that Tyr kind of alludes to the way I read the scene, um, my impression was Tyr was kind of telling her, "Don't sell yourself short," right? Which seems like that whole are they a thing? Does Tyr have something for her? Does she have something for him? You know, it seems like the they the writers have gone back to that particular well yeah. again. And yeah, it just I mean, seemed like they threw threw the audience a little bit of a bone. Sure, there. I mean, there is that constant overtone. It just seems like that they keep going back to. Yeah, but so the, they they are, but they're not going to. You right. know, because of his <clears throat> pride. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, so there, I think, is a tell, and, and taking that with the whole of what we've seen so far, there's no way Tyr can just walk away from a situation where Becca is going to need help. He's always going to be there to help her, we keep, e- even even if it is untier like, right. Nietzschean, right? Yeah, um, it, he's just he's so ready and so willing to just step up and fight. So part of it is because Tier loves to fight. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he felt like he could win this fight, or he probably wouldn't have engaged. Right. Later on, Tier backs down. He says, "We're not going to have any bloodshed." I'm like you've already killed like six people today, but that's not <laughs> right. But, be, but besides that, yeah, right. There's not going to be any bloodshed. So, I mean, I, that just again, it doesn't seem like the tear as well, tear describes tear. But but does that kind of make sense in the fact that he knows Technicore is involved, and therefore this is a fight that he knows he is not going to come out intact. <laughs> sure. At the end of it. Sure. So would you say that that is a very tier thing for him to do? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. All right. Did, did I just win that one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, All right. Wasn't really a fight, but <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I guess really it was just interesting, just kind of the the change where in, in less than an hour's time, and I mean in universe time, not TV time, he goes from ready to pick up guns and, and shoot anything he sees to all of a sudden no we're not having any bloodshed yeah and it's just it if he had come at it as there's no way we can win this we got to go at this a different way it just seems like that is the honest tier and that's usually what we get you know he would he would be the first one to say this is suicide i'm not getting involved in this but it's just strange the way he presented it as he sounded more like Dylan. I will admit that throughout this episode, tonally, Tyr was not himself. The things that he did, okay, I can kind of reason on it, and it makes sense. But you're right. He didn't sound like the Tyr Anasazi that we get in most episodes. I'll grant you that. Yeah. Well, remember the last time we saw him before this episode, he was, you know, right in the middle of that very boisterous laugh. <laughs> yes. So he was probably worn out from that. <laughs> yeah. He he seemed very subdued this episode, didn't yeah. he? That, yeah. There you go. It took a lot out of him. It did. That, that chuckle uh-huh. took a lot. <laughs> you you thought Tyr was all over the map. Yeah. 
how about a different character that seemed like she was all over the map? Okay. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. It's got to be Becca. Becca Valentine. Becca Valentine. Can we talk about her just a little bit for this episode? You know, I think we would be remiss if we did not. Okay. I concur. All right. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Where where do you begin to take this character apart after this ep- this episode? You know, my note here is um, Becca hyphen selfish teenage girl well i think i think you just summed up the whole conversation in a nutshell (laughs) i mean i kept waiting for her to to scream at somebody i hate you i'm going to my room and then her storm off exactly and she kind of got that she did that didn't she okay (laughs) exactly right Uh, you know i i was thinking in my first watch through of this episode i'm like i'm so glad dylan's not here to be the father figure for becca to scream at and then when he shows up, guess what Becca does? Screams at him and storms off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it, that is exactly what Becca was in this episode. Yeah. Um, not to derail the discussion because I want to stay on this, but side point. Yes. Who is the first officer of the Andromeda? <laughs> Becca Valentine. That's what I thought. But appears that when Dylan is away, the command structure falls apart. Yeah. Tyr becomes in the one in charge. Basically. Yeah. It's definitely what this episode felt like. Mm-hmm. And, and did he do that because he knew Becca was somewhat incapacitated because of Ladrone's influence? Oh, it's got to be. Okay. I mean, I've seen... That was kind of the impression yeah, that I had. Of I was going to say, in times past, I have seen Tyr be subordinate yes. to Becca. To Becca, yeah. But he, it, it's as if he he understood exactly what was taking place here. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he call her out? That's something that Tyr Anasazi would do. Yeah, and but it took trance. Yeah, and, and not in a trance, not really in a trance way either. Yeah, because, it wasn't cute and kind of backhanded. It was basically, here, here's what you're doing wrong. Yeah, and that's not trance really, mm-hmm. at least not up to this point. That's not what tra- the way trance has been. I don't know if they're trying to let the viewers have the argument in their own mind, but even though I don't agree with what Becca is doing here, I kind of feel like Becca won that argument against Trance. <laughs> and I don't know how that happens. <laughs> that should not happen. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You, you, because you're a parent of what will soon be teenage daughters. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to happen, sir. All right. Yeah. So welcome to the rest of your life. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but I, what I mean, though, is, is it really, it seemed like Becca had a lot of valid points as far as what her arguments were. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot of valid points, but she did have some valid points as far as um, it's about loyalty and about it being, you know, I'm just as loyal to him as I would be to any of you, and as I would expect you to be to me. It, I don't know, man. Because one of the questions I've got here for that is, right. is misplaced loyalty that easy for her to fall into? She's called in as a character witness for an obvious criminal. Yeah. And she's willing to turn her back on her friends for this criminal. Yeah. That's misplaced loyalty. Right. I mean, I don't know how you walk that back. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that she's right. I'm not saying I agreed with her. But I'm just saying her argument versus Trance's argument, like, Trance just blew that argument. She wasn't herself that day. 
I guess. I guess no one not. is. <laughs> Trance right. is in herself. Tears not his self. Dylan's nowhere to be found. Harper's getting shot down. Yeah. That's Harper's himself. That's a Harper thing. Yeah. All right. So Harper was the only one that was himself <laughs> that day. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. We're in trouble. <laughs> but can we agree that whatever her motivation was, Becca was wrong? Oh, Becca's, completely. Becca's in the wrong. Yes, she was completely wrong. Okay, so morally, ethically, legally, why does she not go to jail at the end of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a main character, so we give her a pass, but... You know, the thing is, so many times in all of these shows that we love, when our heroes do these things that are illegal, um, they go against whatever the authority is, mm-hmm. they get away with it because their cause is right. They end up being right. They end up saving the day. Yeah. And to that, I would like to add, um, you also usually get to see a dressing down. Of that character. Even though they may be ultimately right in their cause. Yeah. There is discipline that Mm -hmm. is applied typically in those situations. Maybe not to the extent, the full extent that it should be expressed. Right. But there's usually a dressing down of some sort. Mm -hmm. And we don't even get that here. Right. Harper and Dylan back away from the situation at the end. It's just like, okay, we're all good here. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) You kids have fun. Right. And, And that's it. And there's nothing that addresses the fact that she is absolutely wrong, has been wrong this entire time. Right. From the moment she decided to bust him out of jail to the end of the episode, she's just an angry teenager who's smitten. And nobody ever, uh, Trance tries to address it, and, but even that is weak. Mm-hmm. And there is no dressing down. There is no disciplinary action. There, and there's nothing at the end of the episode where Becca says, I'm sorry mm-hmm. for what I've done. Right. Nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that because the end of the episode comes and goes and there's there's no resolution. It's just Becca and Abel together at last. I hope they enjoy the rest of their lives together. <laughs> wherever that penal colony is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean... Or R&D lab, because apparently he's going to have to have these bots removed. Yeah. Does the Commonwealth... Is there no... Is there no extradition treaty with Varus? Because I I would think they'd be like, yeah, we're going to need her, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Can, right. can we just order up a, a Becca Gollum? Shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> right. All taken care of. Yeah. Until the next time they, they come flying through. Yeah. Becca answers the comm. Hey, didn't you die? No, that was someone else. Yeah. You know, I we've hit the heavy discussion, but just one thing that is still is just because of where her head was and not being able to see anything clearly. Um, She was so mad at Harper when she found out that he had tested Abel's DNA. Now, it turns out that he was legit. He really was who he was saying he was. But the thing that threw me was, at the time when this comes out, it is the belief of everyone 
that this is not Abel. This is somebody else, or this is something else. So whatever this is, it's pulled the wool over everyone's eyes, even Becca. She should be furious. She is, but she's mad at Harper. And so I'm watching this, and without jumping ahead to the end and knowing that it actually is him, but if you just take that and just clip that time right there, where everybody, even Becca, is under the impression that this is not the real Abel Ladrone. She's still mad at Harper. Yeah, exactly. Because what do you do when you're a teenager and you've been shown up? How do you react to that situation? You lash out at the nearest person to you, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did we say Becca was just a moment ago? Yep. All right. An angry teenager. All right. (laughs) Okay. All I'm saying in this point is she was written exactly as she was intended to be written. Hmm. I want to touch on this right quick. Can we just briefly acknowledge between the two of us that Harper is a lascivious individual? You think so? Granted, we understand. He was was dumbstruck by Lieutenant Lyra, and he had all of the puns and the awkward jokes and the innuendo and all of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And so... We understand that about Harper. Mm-hmm. We love Harper because of that, right? Right. But what was with the look at Trance there at the end? The come-hither look that he gave her. <sighs> that was just creepy. I don't know. Was... And and yeah. and I don't know so much that Trance reacted to it, but I think that was Laura Bertram responding, <laughs> reacting to the look that... Harper gives her in that moment and she scurries off. (laughs) And I would just like to point out that I was even a little bit uncomfortable by that final scene. Yeah. I didn't like it. Well, you know, he's been through a lot. Harper, he just, he needs some attention. That's all. (laughs) He just wants somebody to love him. Yeah. Yeah. I I can somehow see the women on the ship drawing straws and just being like, (laughs) oh, this is, yeah. This is not something we want to do. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, I feel like it uh, would be appropriate to say that uh, in the hashtag MeToo era, <laughs> this Harper would not uh, would not have been written that way. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's where I'm at. Okay. All right, then, Ethan, I've got a quote for you. All right, lay it on me. Let's chew on this for a little bit. Any fool can be honest, for it is only what he knows. A wise man is aware of when to share the truth. That was the veteran empress Yauri 23 from Commonwealth year 2932. Not specifically to that quote, uh, but I would like to make the observation that a wise man would learn to have told the truth the whole time. Therefore, not having to put himself in a position to know when to reveal the truth. Okay. Does that does that make sense? Or did, did I back my way into that one the wrong way? <laughs> no. No, I see what you're saying. But you're saying that a truly wise man just tells the truth from the beginning. Yeah. Tells the whole truth. Yeah. They don't have to read the room. Right. They, they, they tell the truth in the right way with uh-huh. the right um, tactfulness. Okay. And, and thus, you know, preserve the peace, maybe. Okay. 
I'm, I'm just saying that there, that saying to me is a little bit lacking. Okay. In in my opinion. That's right. my opinion of it. All right. Um, I see your opinion, and I will call it. Um, I actually like this a quote. Oh, okay. I, um, I think it's I think it's appropriate, and I think there's a lot of meaning to it, unlike many that we've had in the past. Um, so any fool can be honest, right? Any idiot can just blurt out whatever it is that he knows. Sometimes it's not always the best thing, right? A wise man is aware of when to share the truth. Is there not? any wisdom in discretion you could you could kind of get a little ticky tacky here and say well now wait a minute are we talking about a lie of omission or are we just talking about using discretion with what information we share at a particular time yeah no there is uh there is a need for that i will say but i i i also feel like the emphasis probably should be put on when you're telling the truth or tell the truth. And when doing so, if the situation warrants it, do it with tact. Because that feels like to me like what what the was missing on Varus is from the get-go, this came into place, it threw the society out of whack because people were just all willy-nilly just just speaking the truth. Yeah. And now that I think about it, that probably happens in society today. People speak their truth, right? Yeah. And people react badly to it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I feel like the element that's missing for the, the here on Verus and probably in society today is tact. Tell the truth. Don't be deceitful. Mm-hmm. Tell the truth. But do it tactfully and it can help. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, can we say that we're both right i guess so can we say yeah i'm I'm willing to say that can we say tactfulness and discretion yes does it have to be one or the other no because i think they're one and the same well sometimes sometimes yeah i mean you can tactfully say something or you can tactfully not say something is that (laughs) is that using tact? leave it for another time okay yeah okay yeah all right. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. So, all right, we're agreed. Win-win. Dis- discretion. Okay. All right, Ethan. So now, here we are. You have all of the probes all over your body, on your fingertips, the needles going. So... I've never had a polygraph before. Well, we're going to see here how this go. goes. <laughs> Ethan, is that your real name? Yes. Okay. There's a good baseline. Ethan, how did you feel about this episode? This was a wonderful episode. I absolutely enjoyed every single moment of it. It was fantastically put together. Um, got a little activity over here. <laughs> so I'm going to well, need you to back off of that a little okay. bit. Should I try that again? Huh? Yeah. Should I try yeah, that sure, again? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's put it this way. Okay. This episode was awful. Okay. It had many plot holes in it. Uh, some of the elements did not make sense to me. The characters at times did not make sense to me. Becca, in particular. Mm-hmm. As we've discussed, she was all over the map. Uh, written as a teenager. And I have more respect for Becca as a character than what Emily Skopov wrote Becca as in this episode. So for that reason alone, 
I don't like this episode. But then we have <laughs> all of the production stuff. Uh, the Death Corps squad uniforms were horrible. <laughs> I mean, they were. Oh, yeah. They were pretty terrible. I guess we did touch a little bit on the we did touch on it Death Corps squad that couldn't kill anybody. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Four of them. You're right. And could not take out a Maybe wand. they're called that because they're the ones that die. Yeah. Once again, we have another episode where fighting on the Maru sucks. <laughs> I just want to bring that point out. Uh, Lyra was a pointless distraction. We, we've been really good about not being harsh to our guest actors for the most part in most of these episodes. But I'm just going to say this. The actress that played her was about as sincere and believable as a wooden block. I mean, again, a waste of a character. Kind of like the the fake senator from the last episode. Oh, I'm still mad about that yeah, one. Yeah, it just... We, we've got now a couple of back-to-back episodes where our guest actors were misused. I mean, did nobody else <laughs> on that ship know what the senator looked like? <laughs> I know. I know, man. That That was the last episode, though. Let's leave it there. Uh, Chris Potter, he is a respectable actor, but this was not his role. I mean, he wasn't all that fantastic in it. And ultimately, the character that he plays, he's not going to show up again. And yet, in this episode, we're left with the idea that there's going to be this great romance between him and Becca now. And there there was nothing to address the fact that he's not going to be there next week or the week after or any of the weeks following. And so... Ah, this just... Ah, this is a huge miss for me. On a scale of 1 to 10, this one sucked for me. <laughs> All right. You know, even even Aaron seemed to think that she was the senator. <laughs> you remember that part? Yeah. Is that how little you thought of this episode? The fact that you can't get your mind off the last one. You know what? Uh, it was funny because it was like... I just want to take what I said about the last episode and just cut and paste over here. Um, I mean, you've already taken my line, scale of 1 to 10, this one this one sucked. Um, and it was pretty much for the same reasons. As far as being, I was just bored watching this episode. I didn't find it entertaining. There were a few of the little Harperisms that you kind of seemed to not really be that impressed with. I don't know. Eh. I thought a couple of them were funny. There were. The, the, you know, I chuckled. The, I the, chuckled. The Harper I could line. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that one was... I mean, because it's, it's off the cuff. He doesn't know that her name is Lyra when she walks onto the ship. Yeah. He came up with that that quick. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. I liked it. Anyway... Um, but that was the only good thing about this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I'm just going to basically, like you did for me last time, I'm just going to repeat everything that you just said. Um, hated the way they treated Becca. Um, I hated that. I didn't really like that Dylan was gone almost the whole time. And they weren't able to pull their crap together without him there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So what does that really say about this crew? Um, again, we have more Commonwealth sucks stuff going on. We have uh, Technocore 
that kind of seems to have a grip on the Commonwealth a little in a in a way, you know. Um, they're picking on this Commonwealth ship, and High Guard's nowhere to be found to protect them, to save them, to say, "Hey, wait a minute, let's talk about this a minute." Yeah, there's nothing, and I would have liked to have seen something like that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, if there was a moral for this episode, what would you say the moral lesson for this episode is? You know what? I would love to be able to say that it has something to do with truth and honesty. Because doesn't there seem like there could really be a message that you could put down in here? Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, what is... What, what, how do we get out of this whole situation? What Lie do, about it. We use deception. Yeah. We create a totally fake person <laughs> yes. and we kill him. Yes. And we have no remorse over it whatsoever. No, none. None at all. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 as stated... I don't like the episode. On top of that, the moral lesson that I take away from it, I absolutely detest. That lying is necessary. Mm-hmm. No. No. It, it it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It it shouldn't be. And in in a in a in a better world, it would not be. Yeah. You know what? I mean I think skip this episode. Just go put in liar liar. <laughs> That's a, and you get a much better moral lesson out of yeah. that too. Yeah, it's more entertaining and it's funnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. All right, you're you're right. So, all right. So for you, it sucked. For me, it sucked. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're there. That's just that's just two opinions. I'd like to hear more opinions. Hey, you know what? We got an opinion on it. You I do. just want to do a shout out right quick. Ray, he uh, he gave us an email. He watched the the episode before we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he uh, he emailed in. Uh, to give us his thoughts on it. And uh, hopefully he's heard a couple of the points that I alluded to um, that I was going to mention in this recording. And uh, yeah, we certainly appreciate Ray uh, emailing in his thoughts on that, on, on this uh, on this particular episode, even though it was an awful episode. I mean, hey, if we have people writing in to talk to us even about the bad episodes... It says something. Yeah, I think it says. So something. this is this is this is good. This yeah. is this is great progress. Um, I love hearing from from the people. So Ethan, if somebody did want to write in, how might they do? Like Ray did, uh, just as Ray did, they can send an email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail And we're also on the social media using Facebook and Twitter. We make announcements there. You can follow us at, at Andromeda Pod. Uh, we're also on Podbean. That's our home on the web where you can find every episode of Drive Back the Night. And while you're there, if you should feel so inclined, there is a tip jar. If you listen to us on iTunes, we certainly appreciate you listening. Uh, leave us some stars, perhaps even a review. We certainly appreciate it. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice at the beginning of this episode. We are an Age of Geek production. That's uh, ageofgeek.com podbean.com uh, good guys over there what are they doing over there can you tell us we know do we really talk about them uh, there is a good group of guys yeah we, we like listening to them they sure are um, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, they're doing stuff okay. they're, they're moving they're shaking right anyway yeah lots of discussion on various geek culture topics 
So anyway, that is this episode, and we hope that you will join us back here again next time when we cover what happens to a Rev Defer. Each of our pods are meticulously built and inspected by a team of blind nightsiders desperate to... <laughs> Wish I'd read this first. <laughs> <laughs>